Welcome to the Family Worship Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy the following message from Pastor Ray Kirkland. I want to minister today on leaning on the top of the staff, just for a few moments. Hebrews 11 is known as the faith chapter in the Bible. I believe it's biblical to say that all of us have a measure of faith. Now in that chapter, there were several men and two women, the Bible says, that went beyond that measure of faith. They went beyond. They, they did extraordinary things, and God touched their lives, and they made it into the chapter of faith. The Holy Spirit enlightened and highlighted something as I was reading through that that I want to examine with you just for a few moments today. It's one of those that were in the chapter of faith, Hebrews 11, verse 21. It says, By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph. That's very interesting. Both of them. And worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. So what he's doing at this moment is he's passing on a patriarchal blessing to his sons. So the patriarch would take his right hand and pass it over his body while he held his staff, which we'll pretend it's my microphone, in this hand, and would lean on the top of it, and he would speak a blessing upon that son. Then he would take his hand and hold the the staff, and he would use his left hand to bless all of the rest of the sons. First son was with the right, the rest were with the left. The the, the picture of this on on, on the second born, and the way they did that, is just a really, it's a picture of, of second birth. And so we won't get into that, the, the being born again, but we won't go there today. But he was blessing. And I want you to notice that as he blessed them, he worshiped. He worshiped leaning on the top of the staff and he blessed them. Now let me explain that for just a moment. A staff in those days that Jacob would have had or any of the others would have had, Moses or any of those, that staff was approximately five foot to six foot long. The actual Hebrew word uh, uh, our Hebrew staff would actually have carvings all the way down it and notches. There would be notches and carvings in this staff. In those days, they didn't really have journals. And if they wanted to write something, they would write it on parchments. So what they would do is they would, in their staff, it was like a journal of their life. It was like a, a diary of the major events of their life. So when they started out, they would carve something Maybe at their bar mitzvah or that time of their life, something and something that happened to them, they would carve a symbol or a notch or something to remind them of that. And then throughout life, they would they would carve into this staff things that had consequence to them, good or bad, but they would carve something into that staff. Now, then they would take the staff and they would soak it in a, 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 an oil almost like we would call creosote today. And that creosote would preserve that staff. So that staff was always in good order. You could always see the journal. It never cracked or broke. It just held strong. And it was, it was there for their lives. It was a story of their life. So a young man, well, I don't know what age, but very young, probably 12 or 13, they would get their staff. And they would soak it in that creosote and prepare to start carving things all the way up it, from the bottom to the top, journaling their life, explaining their life. So the staff then is actually a representation of their life. If you think back into Moses in Exodus, the fourth chapter, 
God was needing a deliverer to deliver his people out of the Pharaoh's hand. And God calls on Moses. Now Moses knows it's a tough job. And Moses didn't really want it. How many of you know it's tough to get three million saints going in the same direction? (laughs) Okay. I don't care who you are. That's a tough job. How do you take three million people across a desert wilderness? I actually asked one day a quartermaster general of the army. And I asked him what it would require to move and manage two to three million people. Here's what he told me. He said it would take 15 tons of food per day. That's two freight trains full of food. that uh, Freight trains are about a mile long. That's what it would take just to feed that troop for one day. It would take 4,000 tons of wood to cook that food for that day. That's another train about a mile long. It would take 11 million gallons of water per day. That's another freight train about 1,800 miles long. Okay, that's what it took. And that's what came out of the rock, but that's another sermon. They crossed that Red Sea with all of that going on in one night. I asked him what that would take. He said, to do this, double file. If you put people in, in, in two lines and tried to cross it, it would take, that lines, those lines would be over 800 miles long and take 35 days and 35 nights to do that to double fold. So he said to pass in one night would require an opening in the Red Sea of over three miles wide and you'd have to cross at 5,000 abreast. I'm just trying to show you what the Bible says. So to camp each night was another great feat because it would require an area for two to three million people to actually camp, be able to cook and do what they did, would require an area of two-thirds the size of Rhode Island. It's about 750 square miles just to set camp. So Moses didn't want the job. (laughs) Moses is coming around the mountain. He's not too thrilled about this job. And as he comes around the mountain at Mount Horeb, he, he, he encounters a burning bush. And God begins to speak to him. And God asks him, what do you have in your hand? And Moses replies, I have a rod. Now that word right there is used six times. It's the same Hebrew word as rod or staff. And do you remember what God asked him to do with that staff? Cast it on the ground. What was he laying down when he laid down that staff? He was laying down his history. He was laying down his journal. He was laying down his life. Now our society that we live in teaches us to hold on to it. It says you earned it. You deserve it. It's yours. But God says throw it down. God says throw it down. Then as he throws it down... God says, pick it up. But do you remember what happened when he threw it down? It turned into a serpent. Now God says, pick it up. Because now at this point, it looks like his life is going to bite him. It looks like his life is going to bite him. And, and, and a lot of people I know don't feel that they can serve God because they're afraid their past will come back and bite them. Amen. So Moses probably thought, I can't be the leader. I have murdered a man. I, I'm a murderer. I've, I've done all kinds of bad things. And he's, he's afraid his past is going to sneak up on him 
And somebody's going to find out about all that stuff. And this is a picture that God is showing us that, that even though you have a past, God has an ability to take a snake out of a past. Amen. I want to tell you something. Sitting all across America today in churches are great men and women of God that, that have been put on a shelf because they made a mistake. Because they've made mistakes. But I want you to know, if I need somebody to go to battle with me, I want somebody beside me that's made some mistakes. Amen. I, they, because they've learned how to live life. They're not novices. They haven't gone through life on a, on a silver platter. Everything hasn't been spoon-fed to them. They've been out there fighting the fight, living the life, and they understand what it is to get across that wilderness. So when Moses released that rod and he laid it down... The serpent was released out of it. You have certain things in your life that you have to yield or release so God can take the snake out of them. Moses had to release. What was he releasing? His history. He was releasing his authority. That's his life, his authority. He's releasing his understanding. He's releasing all of his wisdom, the way he thinks things should be done. He's laying that all down and he's going to trust in God's authority. We don't want authority with a snake in it. Amen. We've seen that in history. How about Saddam Hussein? How about Adolf Hitler? How about Osama bin Laden? These are all great people that had authority, but they had a serpent in their authority. So God says to us, at certain times of our lives, that we must lay down our staff, what is in our hand, which might be our abilities... Our eloquence to speak or, or minister in music. We might need to lay down our personalities. We think that we're not capable. Our personality's wrong. We're not as funny as Pastor Rodney. We don't think we have a good enough education. God says, I want you to throw it down because that thought is a snake's thought. Amen. And from this time on, once Moses picks, up, Moses picks up that rod, it's never called the rod of Moses anymore. But from that moment on, it becomes the rod of God. And with that rod, Moses will lead them out of bondage and out of barrenness because the rod of God is there. So somewhere in our lives, we have to let the serpent come out of the gift that God has given us. Somewhere we have to trade in the gift, whether it's singing or preaching or, or whatever it might would be. You have to lay that down and so God can take the serpent out of it. So when you pick it up, his power and authority is in it. You have to learn how to use your past experience to lead others. You have to learn how to use your life to further the kingdom. You have to learn how to use what God has gifted you with to deliver and bless others' people. So God gave Moses specific instructions before he released the last plague on, on, on Pharaoh. Because Pharaoh wasn't wanting to let him go. The last plague, if you remember, is a death angel that's coming into the, the land and is going to kill all the firstborn. Listen to it. I use it all the time in communion services. Exodus 12. And thus, this is how you're going to eat this Passover. With a belt on your waist... Sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand. So shall you eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt. On that night I will strike all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. So he says that you are to take 
He tells Moses, have all the people take this communion with a staff in their hand. The reason for that is because that staff now has been freed. That staff has been released. And God's ready to perform a miracle of deliverance. That staff now represents God's protecting power. It represents a badge of authority. And so he said, I want you to take that staff, your authority, your life. Because I'm, going to, I'm in it now and I want to take you somewhere. I want to deliver you to deliver others. Somebody say amen. Do you remember the story of David and Goliath? He's on his way to feed his brother's lunch. And he, he's in, entered into the most challenging situation of his life up until that point. As there stands Goliath, the armies of Israel, the armies of the Philistines. And it's, it's a defining battle. David is shocked because nobody has stepped in to fight this big giant. And so he, he offers... And Saul asked him, what makes you think you can do this? And he says, well, I fought a lion and I beat him. I fought a bear and I won that one. So Saul has no other warriors. So he says, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a risk on you. I'm going to throw the dice and give you a chance. And so he tries to put his armor on David. We know the story. But David would not wear it because he had not tried it. But listen to what David did take. 1 Samuel 17. And he took his staff in his hand. And he chose five smooth stones out of the brook, put them in the shepherd's bag which he had. And with his sling in his hand, he drew near to the Philistine. I want you to notice he took his staff. See, that's the part. We always see him with the sling. We always see him with the stones. What we forget, in the other hand, he's carrying that staff. That staff's in his hand. This is a picture of his surrendered history to God. This is a picture of his authority of God. Do you know why he needed that staff? So that those rocks, those stones, and that sling would be empowered with God's miracle touch. You go into battle without the staff and you're in trouble. Because you're fighting on your own. You can't win that battle. But when you carry a surrendered staff that the snake's been taken out of and the, the power of God has rested in it, you have been empowered by God. If you run from the lion and the bear, when you get to the giant, you're going to crumble because you have no battle experience. You do not get strength for a battle. You get strength from a battle. So he wrote this song and he said this, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The shepherd's staff... The king's scepter were both symbols of David's court and of David's trust in God. How many of you remember those stories? Do you remember the story of the Shumanite woman in 2 Kings, the fourth chapter? She has called for Elisha. She has said, the boy that you prophesied that would be born has been born, and now come pray for him because he's died. He's sick. He's going to die. And Elisha sends his servant Gehazi. Now, Gehazi had been around Elisha long enough to know the routine. He knew what he was supposed to do. So he, he takes Elisha's staff and he goes and he lays it on the, the dead boy that he, that he would be healed. See, in Gehazi's mind, that staff is a magic formula. That staff, if he would place Elisha's staff, the magic formula would happen and the boy would be healed. But here's the problem. He laid somebody else's staff down, not his own. You can't take somebody else's experience and anointing and expect it to work for you. You must have your own experience with God. 
You cannot live vicariously. When you stand before God, you will stand there alone. Your mama won't be with you. Your preacher won't be with you. All the employees that you have and work with will not be there. You're not going to have your grandma there. You have to know God for yourself. You have to know God for yourself. So Elisha, he's the one that knew what that staff stood for. He's the one that had laid that staff down. He's the one that had surrendered that staff. It was a symbol of God's presence in his life. It was a symbol of God's promises in his life. It was the faithfulness that he understood God to have. And so when Elisha comes and he lays that staff on that child, of course, we know the story. The child gets up from the dead. Somebody say amen. What is our staff? What's the staff in our life? It's the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's the cross that became the weapon that God used to defeat the powers of hell in our life. It's that staff that is a symbol of God's presence of Jesus in our lives. It's a symbol of God's ever-present help to help us in our greatest needs. It's a badge of honor and victory over sin and the sin that Jesus bore on that cross for us. The cross of Jesus Christ is powerful. It's a staff that God uses on the earth. Now let me go back quickly to the opening text. It says, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph. That means he'd lived a long time. Joseph had sons, and those sons were were there, and he was able to bless them. So they were at least 13 or 14 years old. So he had lived a while, and now he's worshiping, and he's leaning on what? The top of the staff. He's not leaning halfway down. He's not leaning on the bottom portion. He's leaning on the top. In other words, this staff represents all of the ups and downs of his life. Life's not always got ups. Sometimes there's some downs. And so he's, but I want you to see something. He's still there. He's still there. He still knows who his God is. He's lived some bad things. He's, he's run from a brother who's trying to kill him. He has swindled his brother. He's done all kinds of things in his life. He has not been an exemplary person in much of his life. But he's an overcomer. He's a winner. He's a prince with God. God has changed all that. He's now, he has marks on the staff. And as he's leaning on that staff, prepared to pass the blessing on to his son, he looks at all the things God has brought him through. He looks at all the stuff from the top to the bottom. And he's now going to function with that history and authority and God's power there beside him. He's now going to function as a spiritual father to his sons. How desperate this generation is for spiritual fathers. We don't need more preachers. We need some dads. We need some people that actually care. They're not just trying to fill a church with numbers and noise and nickels. They actually care about their sons. And they actually have a history in their life. It's not always perfect. There's only a few people that are perfect. Dr. England. The rest of us have a few bad notches in there. But God is God over it all. God is God over it all. Amen. Even though we've had some struggles, God has got over it all. And when you lean on the top of the staff, it means you're a man that did not stop. You kept on and you kept on. And you weren't just faithful, you were filled with faith. Amen. You weren't just committed, you were focused. Everybody's committed on a football field, but those that are focused win. 
And so to lean on the top of the staff is representation of focus. It's representation of faith. I don't want my life to stop short. Amen. I want, to pay, I want my journal to go all the way to the top. I don't want to get part way and stop on God. Because then that happens, I can't pass on those things to my sons. I've got to live the life. I've got to be focused. I've got to be disciplined. I've got to honor I've got to believe in a supernatural God. And I need to pass on the entire life that God has given and so that others can, can have the power of that. So it's beautiful to me that Jacob leaned on the top of the staff as he blessed. Now I was thinking today of Dr. England. This service is in honor of him. He has truly leaned on the top of the staff. We're not saying he's dying today. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying his staff is full. I'm saying for 60-some years, he has been carving on that staff. I'm sure that Beatrice could tell you a few bad notches in there. <laughs> he's, not, he's not raising his hand right now. <laughs> oh, there it goes. <laughs> we, could, we could find out some struggles and some, some places where that old serpent tried to sneak itself back into that thing. But we can also show you a man that has lived it out. A man that's operated in faith, operated in boldness. And what a beautiful thing his son spoke today of, of the generations, the four horsemen. Four generations of England's. God knows that was a scary service. <laughs> Standing there at that pulpit. And I have to say to you, friend, that's a powerful legacy. We need legacies in our life. We need to be able to pass this thing on. Now, I know that some of us have a lot of stuff that we need to lay down before God. We need to say, God, take that out of there. I'm afraid. I'm, I don't feel qualified. I don't feel like I'm worthy. L lay that stuff down and let God take that out of it. Because your, your, your qualifications are because of Jesus, not because of yourself. Your qualifications are because what Christ did for you. Somebody say Amen. It's because God's spirit is moving. And if you stand in a pulpit or you stand in front of a people or whatever you might do in your, your, your life for the kingdom of God, if it's not empowered by God, it's not really empowered. And so it's somewhere you've got to lay down that life and you've got to notch that thing. And I, when you get to the end of your life, I pray that when you lay your hands on your sons, when your life touches them, there's actually something there. You didn't stop part way. But you went all the way. You pressed through all the way. You could stand one day and say, I've given 60, 70, 80 years of my life to God, and I'm passing that on to my children. Somebody say amen. Take a moment sometime and journal your own life. Get you a piece of paper. And go down the line. Start at the bottom and work your way up of the notable moments of your life. Look at them, good and bad, and journal your life to the present day. Journal yourself and see what you would have put on your staff, what you would have carved in. It has to be significant because your staff's only so tall, so you have to be careful what you put there. But as you journal up that staff, that's what you're going to be passing on. I pray that there's no serpent in that. I pray that the authority and power of God is in that. I'm not saying we don't have bad times. I'm saying they've got the serpent out right there. Amen. My life's been filled with some ups and downs and even... even of recent things happen. But I, I always lay that down and say, God, you are the God. Take the serpent out of that thing. You're my God. Let your spirit, your anointing, your authority come into this staff. Because one day I want to pass this on to my sons.
And I, in my particular instance, it's not just my physical sons, it's my spiritual sons. I want to pass on to my spiritual sons something that is a, uh, something that is a model for their lives to live by, something that is energized and quickened of God. I don't want them to see my flesh. I want them to see Jesus. We want to represent Jesus or represent him to the world. We're trying to make Jesus famous around here. Amen. And so we've got to function this way. And so I recognize and honor Dr. England today because I know for a fact, since I've been here, he has been exemplary as a man of God. He and Beatrice both. They have served well. They have given well. And they continue to do so. I like to recognize people when possible before they go home. Amen. And sometimes honor is very due in a church. We, have, we forgot the gift of honor in our churches. We need to learn to honor those that have served well and labored amongst us. And I appreciate that he will one day, and even now, is able to lean on the top of his staff without shame because God has touched his life. Amen. I pray the same thing for you. That as you live your life, as you journal your life onto your staff, every one of you have one. In the Spirit, you have a staff. Every one of you are carving into it. Let the Holy Spirit carve beautiful things there. And when the devil gets that, a, a notch in there, throw the thing down. Let God deal with it. It might look like it's going to bite you. That's why you're afraid to throw it down. Remember I taught on shame. Shame is the fear of disconnection. In other words, if, I, if you knew about me, you wouldn't talk to me no more. So I hide. I hide. That's what shame is. I don't want to be disconnected from you, so I hide. When I hide, I become unworthy. When I become unworthy, suddenly the shame comes back again and it's a vicious cycle. But if I can become vulnerable, if I can throw that thing down and become vulnerable before God, God will set me free. Amen. That's why you have to come to a cross and confess and say, God, forgive me. I make myself vulnerable to your presence. And he begins to work in your life and begins to move in your life. Amen. And that's what God wants to do in all of our lives. If we will let him take those things that we're afraid of, we're afraid it's going to bite us, lay it down and watch God do a miracle. I want you to bow your heads today. Just a short, short message because I didn't know exactly what was going to be transpiring in the service. But I, I wanted to say to you that all of us, when we finish this course, when we run the race, and our life finally comes to that place, please be able to lean on the top of the staff. Please be able to pass on the blessings and the anointing and the authority and the miracles that God has placed in your life to the next generation. Please do not take it to the grave with you. Don't stop short. Lean on the top. Pass your blessing on. The church desperately needs it. We desperately need fathers that will do that. Mothers as well. We desperately need this. We just keep starting over all the time. Starting over, starting over. It's time to carry on and pass the baton. You've come today as a guest or a friend or whatever reason. I believe the Holy Spirit has drawn you here. And I believe there's people in this room today that your staff is kind of a scary thing because you really don't want anybody to know all the stuff that's gone on you just want to kind of shovel it under the rug I want to encourage you today to throw it down I want to encourage you today to say Lord 
I lay my life at the cross at the staff of heaven. I lay myself down at that place and I ask you to take the serpent out of it. I make myself vulnerable so that now that very circumstance in my life empowers me. At one time of my life, I got very addicted to drugs. I laid that before God at a cross one day and I said, God, forgive me. Today I can stand and speak about it. I don't boast in it. I don't try to tell you all of the dirty details of it. But I am not ashamed anymore because I became vulnerable, laid it at the cross, and God forgave me. And God now takes that very time of my life, empowers me with it to help others that are going through the same thing. He makes me a deliverer of the people that have the same struggles. But if I hid it and tried to act like everything was okay, to this day, I would still have a drug addiction. That that serpent would still be biting me. But when you surrender it, it's powerful. So perhaps today... You're in this place, and the Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart. Do not let pride get in the way. Don't let shame get in the way. We're not going to embarrass you or make you do anything weird or make you join a church. We simply want to pray with you as you lay that thing down that God will touch it and raise you back up a different person. God will empower your life, touch your life, minister to you. You can, be, you can be a deliverer of your own family, your friends, if nothing else of yourself. You can rise up and be all that God has destined you to be. You can slay your giants because you've been through some battles. You can, you can raise the dead. I'm talking about your dead hearts where you, you just feel death and just feel so alone and so dark and so dead. You can raise up in the power of God. Pastor Ray, that's what I need. I want to lay down some things in my life. I want to surrender to God. Would you slip your hand up this morning? Let us pray for you. Just slip it up high so I can see it. I see this hand. I see this hand. I see this hand. I see this hand. Others of you, just slip it up and set it back down. Lift it to the Lord so I can see it. We just want you to surrender. It's a sign of surrender. God bless you. I see your honest hearts. God bless you. Anyone else? I see your hands in the back. God bless you. God bless you. It's the most beautiful day of your life when you lay that thing down. I know it's scary because you just don't know what's going to happen. It's kind of a fearful thing. But I promise you, your God is a good God. He has nothing but good intentions for you. He's not mad at you. He loves you deeply. And because you'll lay your life down, He will now come to empower you, strengthen you, help you, turn those bad things around, empower you to walk a people out, Can you imagine that Moses was able to lead those people through that wilderness with that kind of demand on him for all of those years? Our God's a great God. Our God's amazing. Let's stand all over this room. Let's stand. No one leaving. Just for a moment. In a moment, we're going to pray. I'm going to pray for two different things today. I want to pray, first of all, for those who want to be empowered in their life. You're you're doing well. You're serving God. But you just want God to, to strengthen you and bless you. Maybe you're going through some financial difficulties or health issues. Our God is an ever-present help. Our God took that sickness and illness to the cross. And so today, I want to pray for those. But I also want to pray for those that raised your hands. 
So we're going to lead one song, just one song. I want you to quickly just step out of your seats. There's going to be people here to pray for you, pray with you, and I want you to come find your way. Let us pray with you just for a moment, and then we'll be dismissed. Let's, let's go into a song. Come on, if you raise your hand, just step out right now. Don't be ashamed. Come right now and join us down. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Family Worship Center. If our weekly sermons minister to you, consider partnering with us or giving a one-time donation. To give, visit cogfwc.org slash giving. Connect with us for all the latest news on services, events, and more by following us on Twitter and Facebook.